Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And hello, everyone. Today is August 31st, and you are indeed Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I am the... Uh, site expert and editor over at Orlando Magic Daily. And today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time, really long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. It truly is. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Let me tell you a quick story. I'm an Orlando City season ticket holder. I have two tickets, and I had a cousin uh, who also wanted to go to, to last Wednesday's game against Toronto FC. So what did I do? I went to my phone. I grabbed. I turned on the SeatGeek app. I found a ticket for a great price in the same section and same row as me, so we didn't have to do musical chairs or beg anyone. You know, we, we were all sitting relatively close together. Uh, people were nice enough and moved around to, to let us all sit together. And every experience I've had with SeatGeek has been exactly like that. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, like I just said, and uh, I've used it numerous times already to get the best tickets in the house. Why is SeatGeek better. Well, everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music bands. SeatGeek does all the price comparisons for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. You click a ticket that has a green dot next to it, that means you're getting a good price. See a lot of red and orange? Might be t- might, you might want to wait a little bit, see if that price comes down. You can set price alerts and do all that straight from the SeatGeek app so you can get the best seats in the house at the right price. Best of all, this is the best, I, this is the best thing of all. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today to take advantage of this fantastic deal. I know many of you may be saving up on that uh, for when tickets go on sale uh, for the Orlando Magic in just a few uh, months. I don't even know if Magic tickets are up on SeatGeek yet, but um, I'm sure they are, and I'm sure you'll want to use them there. Today's show is, is, again, another kind of special show. I'll, uh, I'll have Spencer Henderson, a uh, contributor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, uh, on to talk a little bit, talk about the next five players on our top 25 list of the best Magic players of all time. If you want to hear numbers 
No, what number are we at? If you want to hear numbers 16 through 25, go back and listen to yesterday's episodes. You can get those on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn. Pretty much anywhere you can download podcasts, uh, you can find those episodes and hear me talk about uh, some of the best players in Magic history. We'll continue that discussion in just a little bit. Uh, but first, I do want to talk uh, a little, very quickly, uh, about uh, just a modern player. Let's 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 start there. Um, about a week ago, Spencer, uh, who, who will be our guest in, in just a little bit, uh, wrote an article talking about the, the point guards that Alfred Payton needs to learn from. And I think we all kind of sense that this is a really big year for Alfred Payton, like a, a really, really big year. And it's not just the fact that it's his third year in the NBA, and that's typically where you set your, your market value for your extension. That's typically where players become the players they're going to be for the rest of their careers. But it's a big season because of all the goals the Magic have, uh, the, the fact that Peyton was so kind of inconsistent last year, and we know how powerful a good Alfred Peyton can be for the Orlando Magic. So how does Alfred Peyton get to where he needs to be? Who does? What kind of players does he need to model himself after? The easy answer has always been Rajon Rondo. I, I, think, I think the Rajon Rondo-Alfred Peyton comparison, while apt, uh, certainly uh, has played itself out. We know Peyton can rack up assists. We know he can uh, fill up a stat sheet uh, and, and make good plays without scoring the ball. And so there is a model for a point guard that can do that. Rondo, maybe not. You don't necessarily want Peyton to have the same attitude as Rondo. Sometimes I think I think the perception of Rondo is that he stat chases a little bit, uh, and that's not what you want either. Peyton saw general improvements on most of his statistics last year. His shooting greatly improved. His scoring. Uh, improved uh, uh, by a little bit. Uh, his 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 assists and rebounds stayed flat, and I think that's where the concern is. And certainly, a lot of his defensive metrics uh, decreased last year. So the question is, how does Alfred Payton become a successful point guard? And Spencer pointed to three things: it's 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 learning how to score and score efficiently. Uh, it's learning how to be a better passer and and learning how to get to the free throw line. Alfred Payton last year was able to do those things in spurts, but not consistently enough. And so the question is, how does he do it consistently? In talking about scoring, he compared uh, compared it to, to Kemba Walker's scoring jump. And, and Kemba Walker is a very different player than Alfred Payton. Kemba Walker has always been a volume scorer. He's always had the ball in his hands a lot, been, been the guy who takes all the shots for his team. And what Kemba Walker really had to learn in the last few years was how to be a better, more efficient scorer. Um, He had to learn when is the right time to take a shot. When do I need to attack? When do I need to pull back? When do I take this shot? When do I force things? When not? And that's a big thing for someone to learn. Alfred Payton's never going to be the scorer Kemba Walker is. Um, He wasn't that in college. You know, Alfred Payton's averaging 10.7 points per game. I expect that to go up a little bit, but not too much. I mean, if, if Payton's around 13, 14 points per game, that's pretty solid. Uh, his, his field goal percentage certainly needs to jump up, and it did last year from 42.5 to 43.6, and, and then 26.2 to 32.6 from beyond the arc. Uh, but learning how to score, learning when to score as a point guard, is a very, very delicate balance. It's it's something that isn't easy to do. Kemble Walker seem, seems to have figured it out, and so that certainly suggests that a player like Alfred Payton can too. Payton's obviously not going to shoot as much. Payton's, Payton averaged... 10 field goal attempts per game last year. 
that's about how much I think you want Peyton shooting. Maybe you bump that up to 11 or 12 if he's making five or six. He only made four out, four out of 10 shots last year. He's certainly feeling more confident confident to try and score. That's a good sign uh, for, for Peyton. But the question will be, how efficiently can he score? And, and what can he give you offensively to sc- score? The next piece of the puzzle then is assists. And that's something that point guards generally do get better at and, and begin to settle in at uh, around that third year. Uh, a player like John Wall came in as this preternatural score, just go, 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 go. He had to learn how to slow down and run an offense. And clearly he does now because many of us consider John Wall to be one of the best point guards in the league. Uh, I forget where we had him in our, in our point guard positional ranking, uh, but he certainly has, has learned how to run an offense and become a better assist player. Peyton last year, uh, Peyton last year, I mean, Wall's now up at around 10 assists per game. Peyton last year was, you know, his assist flatline. He was at 6.5 assists per game as a rookie, which is incredible, and it stayed at about 6.4 per game. So the question is, how does Peyton get to the next level? And I think this is all kind of on the same track as we're talking about Peyton becoming more efficient. We're talking about Peyton becoming more more patient and controlling of the tempo of the game. And we're talking about Peyton learning when to when to seek his out. And 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 I think that's something that, that I think that's a part that's unnatural to him. Mostly when you're talking about young point guards, you're talking about them going for themselves too much and not knowing how to get others involved. I think Peyton knows how to get others involved, but he doesn't know how to get himself involved. And getting himself involved is critical to getting others involved and freeing up the space for them to play their games. Peyton, I think, is a fine point guard. Uh, like I've said numerous times, he's a good option to have, and I don't. I think the Magic feel comfortable at point guard, but not set at point guard. If that makes sense. My distinction there is, I don't think the Magic should give up on Peyton and trade him just for the fact of trading him. He is good enough to where they can rely on him to be a starter and give them quality minutes, but he has to take another step forward, I think, to really firm that position up and really give the Magic faith that that they made the right decision here. Peyton still has work to do, obviously, and a lot of it has to come on the defensive end. A lot of it has to come in improving his shooting. Uh, Shooting a 58.9% free throw throw percentage is not going to get the job done. Um, But Peyton's still learning how to become an efficient offensive player, uh, how to seek his own shot, how to get his own shot, how to make his own shot, uh, and take that next step offensively. If Peyton can do that, then the Magic will have will have their starting point guard for, for a long time. Uh, certainly the defense will remain a big question mark, something that's a little bit harder to gauge, but defense is where Peyton has to get himself going in the right direction too. And so Peyton... It's hard to find a good model for Peyton. There's bits of other players' games and other players' uh, improvements that Peyton has to has to take from. Uh, but certainly, Alfred Peyton is take seems to be taking the right steps and seems to be heading in the right direction. And we'll see what what he looks like when the season begins. Uh, he's a, obviously a very important player, and so I wanted to 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 talk a little bit more about about these specific areas that, that he needs to improve and, and watch out for uh, as he prepares for this incredibly important 
third season. And as you prepare for, for this third season of Alfred Payton, uh, I do want to, again, remind you that SeatGeek is the place to go to get your Magic tickets this year. You don't have a season ticket. You don't buy the Flex plan. That's fine. It, the best place to find t- last-minute tickets to any Magic game will be SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Like I said, I've used SeatGeek many, many times already. I, 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 it was late to get tickets to the Royal Rumble in January, and I was hoping to sit with friends, be in the same section at least. I pop on the SeatGeek, I turn the app on, type in Amway Center, I type in Royal Rumble, and I get a map of the Amway Center. It's all these little dots. There's green dots, red dots, orange dots, telling me where all the available seats are and exactly what the prices are. I click on a green dot, and lo and behold, and I kid you not, it happened on Wednesday, it happened in January too. I click on the green dot, and there's a seat in the same section and the same row as my friends. I was able to sit sit at least near them, sit in the same row, and enjoy uh, that incredible event uh, with my friends, even though I was late to get my tickets, even though they had their tickets long before. I felt like I got a very good price uh, on the on the. Deal and SeatGeek guaranteed that for me. It's always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans, as I just explained. They do all the price comparisons for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money so you can enjoy that game, that concert, that show, that event without a worry in the world. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. That's what that green dot told me. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget and the selection. It's typically pretty good. Best of all, once again, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOMAGIC today. And I'm now joined by Orlando Magic Daily contributing writer Spencer Henderson, uh, who was on our panel for the list of the top 25 Orlando Magic players of all time over on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Spencer, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. So how's it going? It's going good. We're ready. We're this list is getting uh, some some good discussion, and certainly we're working our way uh, down down to number one. Uh, we're right smack dab in the middle. It being this 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 show running on a Wednesday, so we're right in that middle five, uh, getting to some familiar names, and we're going to probably start off uh, number fifteen here with one of the more controversial names on the list, and that is going to be Grant Hill. I I don't know about. I mean, when I talk to people about Magic history, Grant Hill is still someone that engenders debate, why do you think uh, he should be 15, or why do you think you know he should be lower? I mean, I, th- I have your list here. You have him at number 12, so why why is this the right spot for him? Well, one of the reasons why I had Grant Hill at number 12 because it's just because of his overall makeup as a player. I mean, the man can do it all. He can defend, he can play offense. So one of the biggest reasons why he wasn't higher than 12 for me, and the only reason was that he couldn't stay healthy. I mean, it was games 
work out where they can get a you know a good chemistry. So that's one of the main reasons why I have him so high, just because of his. I guess it was more of a potential um, than what it could have been. I could have. Um, I thought that would have been one of the better better duos in the NBA during that time, if you know a, a fully healthy Grant Hill. So that's one of the main reasons why I had Grant Hill up there, just because of you know uh, when we got him, it was a big splash, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I felt like. You know, um, if it, if it would have worked out as far as the healthy, them being healthy, I think you know we could have competed for a title. Yeah, uh, especially with with that Eastern Conference. I mean, I, I wrote about it a little bit um, earlier this week. Grand Hill is one of the greatest what ifs in Magic history because if you look at what he did in Detroit. Uh, he averaged 21.6 points per game, 7.9 rebounds per game, and 6.3 assists per game. He was, you're talking about some of his statistics in the same breath as Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson. Right. Signing Grant right. Hill right. was always the right decision, even though he was on crutches. And his body just would not cooperate. And frankly, even in Orlando, in his seven seasons in Orlando, he still played really, really well. His numbers in Orlando, 16.4 points per game, 5 rebounds per game, Obviously, he wasn't what he was supposed to be because of those injuries, and uh, it's it's you know it's still difficult to, to, to separate that when you're talking about Hill uh, because so much of his time is wrapped up in those injuries. But you know, when he was healthy toward the end of his run, his last couple years in Orlando, or really that last season in Orlando uh, when he played with Dwight Howard, he was really really. I mean, he was he was a solid player for that for a team that made the playoffs and. You know, just it didn't work out that that they they the Magic didn't want to keep him. I know a lot of Magic fans were like, Grant Hill should have taken a pay cut to stay, uh, but the Magic didn't want him. They wanted to turn the team over to Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson and, and turn the page, and that turned out to be a good decision too. But Grant Hill, when he was on the court, was as good as was about as good as any player the Magic have had, and, and would have been a perfect. Com- I agree, would have been a perfect complement for Tracy McGrady. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no question. I mean, you know, like you say, I mean, you're talking about some of the elite basketball players when you, you mentioned some of his stat line comparisons and you know, when I look at a guy like Grant Hill, I mean I, I remember when he was in the M V P conversation with Michael Jordan. I mean He was the next Michael I mean, Jordan for a while. Yeah, so I mean that that's just say it all. Yeah, and certainly disappointment uh for the Magic, just kind of some bad luck that they they didn't get that version of him, but you know, when you look at right. his statistics he still uh Still measures out well. Uh, before we move on to the next player, I I I, I do want to ha- I do have you on, and I want to make sure, uh, and I want to ask you a little bit about what was what was your approach to, to filling out this list and, and making making your list because, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to reveal your ballot, um, and I'm not going to reveal who you had number one unless you want to do that. But you know, the majority of us on the panel had the same guy number one. You you had someone that no one else had had number one. You had. Some players you had you had some players higher than a lot of people. What was your approach to to making this list and, and ranking the top twenty five players in Magic history? Well, my my approach was you know what I've seen on the floor, the eyeball test um, from these players, and potentially what they can do. Again, that's one of the main reasons why Grant Hill was ranked so high. It wasn't because of what he did on the court. If that was the case. He probably wouldn't even been in the top twenty five. But I, I ranked it just because of what I saw from these guys. You know. One of the um, reasons why I ranked Tracy McGrady so high is because during that time when we had Tracy McGrady, I, I felt like if we had someone on the team, someone in the all-star caliber level, um, as a teammate, 
know, i.e. Grant Hill, <laughs> you know, Tracy McGrady could have, you know, transcended the Magic franchise to levels unseen at this point. Um, also, I, I feel like he probably would have never, you know, left. And so I, I just think that um, my approach uh, with a lot of players, especially with people like Reggie Theater, Reggie Theater is one of the best players in Magic history, even though he only played briefly. I mean, you know, when I was coming up, I mean, that, that guy, that guy you skip budgets. So a lot of a lot of it had to do with scoring ability. I mean, if you look at my top twenty-five, you know, all of those guys can score. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so that's one of the ways I judge basketball is if you can make get buckets um, defensively. I felt like Tracy McGrady was a good defender, but I, I mean, he never really had, you know, a great defensive support cast behind him to further. You know, uh, complement his uh, defensive skills, kind of like how Kobe Bryant had Shaq, or you know, other other guys had, you know, one of the best rim protectors of all time. So that was my whole approach. Um, you know, I got a lot of guys in there that's ranked a lot, a lot higher than you guys, and I know it, but I guess I'm just kind of uh, controversial. No, no. I mean, I think I think that's that's certainly. I mean. The reason why I wanted to panel and didn't want to just give my list, and and, and certainly you know I, I have my list, um, and I actually forgot someone on my list, which I'm I'm very embarrassed to admit, but but I I didn't want to ruin, I, I'd already counted the t- the votes when when I when I uh, realized that, uh, but I wanted the different perspectives, and and like you know you're someone that remembers Reggie Theus, I'm someone that remembers Reggie Theus, or, or at least knows stories about Reggie Theus and can look at his numbers. Certain other people may not, and, and he's kind of been tossed aside to the scrap heap. And I think this next guy is someone that that um, you had very late on your list. Um, doesn't necessarily fit that, that score uh, kind of mentality, but his longevity with the team and what he meant with the team certainly boosts his ranking up a little bit. Uh, coming in at number 14 on our list is one Charles Bow Outlaw. Uh, what, 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 I mean, Bo Alba is the outlier on this, on this list as someone who wasn't a good scorer, uh, but what was it about him that, that endears him so much to Magic fans and gets him into the top 15 ahead of a, ahead of a superstar like Rand Hill? Well, with Bo Outlaw, like you said, he was, he was a Magic uh, fan favorite, not just because of, you know, his defensive presence on the court, but just because, I mean, the man never got in trouble. He was one of those guys that was a role model. You know, for a lot of athletes, you know, in, in uh, Orlando, a lot of kids that played basketball in that area, I mean, he was a big role model for those guys during that time. And I feel like, honestly, with his uh, contributions made on the court and off the court, he might have been one of the greatest Magic players ever. I mean, his record is cleanest. I mean, it's, you know, it really doesn't get any cleaner when you talk about Bo Outlaw and his contributions off the court. Yeah, and obviously he's still with the team as a community ambassador. Uh, to me, Bo Outlaw just exemplifies a guy who may not have had the ta- the best, the most talent in the world, um, may not have been able to contribute much to a box score, but his energy was infectious. He was a guy you wanted in your locker room uh, and someone you wanted on your team. I mean, I think the Magic probably went out of their way to keep Bo Outlaw because of the things that he did that don't show up on a box score. Uh, and that's why he's ranked so highly, and that's why he's so appreciated, because he did produce. He was a great defender. Um, he was really, really versatile. I mean, he, he he doesn't have the offense maybe to stick around in today's NBA, but defensively he'd be a perfect fit in today's NBA. He'd kind of be like um, sort of like a Michael Kidd-Gilchrist before he, before he developed his jumper a little bit uh, type of guy, just a, a weird, weird, wiry athlete who 
played defense and did the things that that coaches just need someone to do, and that was that was Bo Outlaw's role, um, and obviously that yeah. endeared him to fans a whole lot. Uh, yeah, yeah and I mean, he, he was a, he was a great player. I mean, when it, when it comes down to the fundamentals of the game as well, I mean, you got to mm-hmm. point that out the intangibles of the game. He was very great at that too. You know, that's something that a lot of kids look at um, guys like that and uh, make their game try. We'll try to make their games like him, like a Kenneth Reed or something like that. Yeah, try to model his game. Um, after an energy guy like that, he was one of the original energy guys. When you really think about it, yeah, he certainly um, he certainly was. I mean, he. Yeah. When, when we when we say hard and hustle, we think of Daryl and Bo, and and uh, usually when you think of a team, you think of their stars, and you know Daryl 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 was certainly kind of a budding star. He could score a little bit, but Bo did not fit that bill and was the face of the franchise for at least one season, if not mul- a few seasons, yeah. along with McGrady right. and Armstrong. Right. Uh, moving on now to lucky number thirteen, uh, probably should be higher, but uh, certain certain editor of the site for left him off his list for some unknown reason uh would be horace grant um i'm a big horace grant fan so i am really kicking myself for for leaving him off my leaving him off my list i did have 25 players um that i felt very comfortable with and for some reason just just brain farted on this but to me horace grant is the key to the magic's first championship run every team needs a horace grant a guy who's been there uh and can teach the young players uh, on, on a growing team, especially how to get to a championship level. And I think he really did that uh, in his first stint with the magic, with, especially with that 95 team, uh, his presence instantly made them better. He was a perfect compliment to Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, statistically may not statistically again, may not have been the greatest scorer, but was just a really solid player and exactly what a young team needed at the right time. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I mean, Oh my goodness, Horace Grant. He, he really, honestly, he, probably, he might be the biggest free agent signing in Magic history. I mean, when you look at, yeah, you know, the timing that we got him. Um, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people look at Serge Ibaka as probably one of the biggest, you know, in recent history. But you know, when you look at Horace Grant and where he came from and the pedigree that he came from, compared to you know a Serge Ibaka or whoever else, you know, the Magic had as a free agent. I mean, I don't think no one compares to that type of pedigree. I mean, that's championship pedigree. So, um, you know, like you say, inserting a guy like that with Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Penny Hardaway and the crew, I mean, it just elevated their games. And uh, hopefully that's what Serge Ibaka would do for, you know, Boost Division, uh, Elsa Payton this year, uh, you know, elevate their games as well. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Horace Grant, probably the, the nicest mid-range shot yes. <laughs> at that height, maybe I've probably ever seen uh, a great compliment um, to uh Shaquille O'Neal because when the double team came, I mean, he was always there. And that was one of the reasons why we was able to beat the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a, I mean, it's just, just him being there to calm the team down when Michael was coming yeah. or when, you know, when Scotty was right. coming. They don't, they don't beat the Bulls without Horace Grant. And, and certainly, no question. No question. Um, and, and what's, what's funny about that is it's probably the biggest maturation moment uh, of that whole team in that series was the fact Horace didn't play the final moments of Game Six. The Magic came from behind with Horace on the bench, and he was just kind of this proud papa. And then Shaq put him, put him put him on his shoulders, and that was his. That was sort of his victory, you know, victory in a lot of ways. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big I, I'm a big Horace Grant fan. I agree. The the jumper. I anytime I think of Horace Grant, 
I think of the goggles and I think of that jumper from the top of the key, from the top of the free throw circle. Uh, just always, oh always money, always I money mean, from the I top mean, of the free throw circle. I mean, dude, did he ever miss? Did he ever miss? I don't think. I, I mean, I was, I was like seven or eight years old, but he, I don't remember him missing. <laughs> I get angry in video games when he misses that shot. So, seriously, um, man, seriously. Yeah, it's, it, that shot, that shot, that shot always goes in. Um, that, that sounds crazy, but I never, I, I don't remember recalling him missing that shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of jump shooting big men, number 12 on our list is Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I know we spent a lot of the summer picking apart his weaknesses, uh, but Nikola Vucevic at number 12, do you think that, that, that seems right? We have a lot of recency bias. You had him at number nine on your list. Uh, I had him at number, I don't even know if I had him in my top 25. I had him at number fifteen. I had him at number fifteen. I, I didn't. I didn't leave him off. Um, but do, is this too high for Nikola Vucevic? Is there some recency bias, or or are we properly recognizing Vucevic and his contributions to the Magic and, and team history? Well, Nikola Vucevic is this mystery guy. He's like he, he's one of the best offensive scoring centers in the NBA, and it's like if he had a defensive prowess, you might. Consider him as one of the best centers in the NBA. Like seriously, so I, I just could not put him outside of the top ten because when I look at you know the record books, you know he leads Magic as far as rebounding in one game. I mean, yeah. So, and we had some of the best centers in, in the league when you think about Shaquille O'Neal and then White Howard and rebounding the ball. So I just think his talent is um, definitely you know underrated. You know. Um, and, and it could be, you know, because, yeah, he's had a lot of coaches. I mean, when you think about, you know, guys that mature, you know, um, usually there's those guys mature with one coach. You know, yes. I mean, when you look at the Paul Georges of the world or the, you know, Kobe Bryant's or the, the Wayne Ways of the world, I mean, these guys had one coach, you know, uh, for the majority of their careers. But, um, you know, Nikola Vucevic, you know, it's, his first couple of years, I mean, it's, it's just been coach after coach. So I'm not sure if he's confident in himself, but I, I think his talent as far as, you know, who he is, his whole makeup of who he is and his status in the league as an offensive center, I mean, it's unquestioned that he should be in our top, our top ten. But that was just my opinion. Like sure, that. sure. And, and I mean, I think, I think we do uh, underappreciate Vucevic and what he's contributed in really a difficult time in, ma- in Magic history. I mean, I think, I, I think we all yeah. kind of know, you know, this, this, period, this, this four-year period and, and the first four years of the team's history are probably the lowest the franchise has, has ever been for a sustained amount of time. Uh, and so it's a weird, it is a weird time, and it's hard to tell if Vucevic is a good stats player on a bad team, but... His consistency and his growth each of his four years with Orlando um, has been evident. He has gotten better, gotten more confident. He's knocked on the door of being in the All-Star game uh, a few times. Now, averaging 19 points per game in 2015 and 18 points per game in 2016, he clearly can score the ball and clearly has an NBA skill. And I agree with you. I think he's he is someone that, that maybe we don't appreciate as much because the teams he's on haven't been stable and haven't succeeded. If, if the Magic snuck into the playoffs this past year, it wouldn't surprise me if we say, oh, Vucevic is our, one of our centerpiece guys and should be in the top 10 among the all-time greatest Magic players of all time. And, and certainly a lot of things change, obviously, if, if, they have made, if they have made the playoffs this year. But, you know, now we're sitting, I think there is some recency bias. We're sitting here now picking Vucevic's game apart and 
kind of planning his replacement in some ways too, and, and that's really unfortunate because he is a really skilled offensive player that, that does deserve um, a little more credit for what he's done. He's averaged a double-double in Magic history. I, I'm pretty sure uh, Dwight and Shaq are the only two players in, in team history to, to really have done that. Um, you know, maybe maybe a player snuck in for a year, uh, but no one else really does that has done that in Magic history. And Vucevic is very comfortably at that mark. Yeah, and when you look at his game, I mean, if you really want to analyze his game, Philip, I mean, we look at his outside shooting, his uh, touch at the basket. I mean, he can rival, you know, Dwight and, and, and Shaq when it comes to shooting the ball, yeah. and especially shooting free throws. I mean, we know he's a better free throw shooter. So it's things that Vucevic does that's better. Then, then these guys, I mean, the all-time centers of, of, of our franchise. So, you know, it's things that this guy does better, but I think that he's so limited defensively, and we have turned into this uh, – a uh, center has to be able to play defense in kind of basketball league to be kind of relevant. And um, you make a good point when you talk about the win totals. I mean, it's hard to be relevant regardless of what you're scoring if you're only winning 35 games. Yeah. I mean, it and- doesn't matter – you know, who you, what your name is. <laughs> yeah, and certainly, and certainly whether you win or not colors how you perceive a player. Um, you know, sure. I, I was, it, was, it was really interesting, uh, you know, for, for yesterday, uh, you know, I, yesterday's uh, post, um, we were, I was digging into Steve Francis' stats, um, and Steve Francis played, had a really solid two, a year and a half run in Orlando statistically, but all I remember was being vastly disappointed in him. And a lot of that is because the team only won 35 games or 36 games the both seasons that he was in Orlando. Uh, and it was very clear he wasn't a good fit. And that's just kind of the way it is with him and kind of the way yeah. it is with players. Your individual success needs to match your team success uh, if you want to be considered one of the all-time greats. And, and I think that'll, that plays a role um, as we get to the top of the list. Um, like most of us know, when it comes to Magic history, there is a big four. There is a top four, a very clear, decisive top four. And how you rank order them is based on sentimentality, how you value the team success in, in the wins, and, and then some of some of it with the statistics as well. Uh, moving on to the last guy. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, and again, uh, you know, a lot of it goes into how you react when you're losing. Yep. You know, I mean, we, we, we've seen uh, three, three, four years a losing season from Vucevic, so it, it it comes to how do you write, react when you lose as well, and and we we've seen that, so now we get a chance to kind of see him grow from that now. Yeah, and and certainly this is a a big season coming up for Nikola Vucevic. The story is not done when it comes to Nikola Vucevic on the Magic. He's going to have a chance to to increase that standing, and and I'm sure uh, he wouldn't mind passing uh, number eleven on our list, and that would be the coach of the team last year, Scott Skiles. Uh, Certainly, when Skiles was hired, some of it was some of the it, some of the sell was nostalgia. They they told us it didn't play a factor uh, in hiring him, but certainly it didn't hurt. Skiles is a fan favorite player, maybe not necessarily a coach, but certainly a fan favorite player. Uh, one of the original Magic players. Uh, when you think of Scott Skiles and his playing career with the Magic, what do you think of? Well, I think of assists. Yes, lots and lots of <laughs> that's, assists. That's the first thing. And, and the last thing that I think of, to be honest with you, well, I do think of his leadership on the court as well. Yeah. Um, this guy was a was a floor general. I mean, he was one of those guys that can tell guys where to go, you know, uh, and, and create plays, you know, not just off of uh, plays that's drawn up, but create plays off of the break. This, yeah. this was one of those guys that, that's one of, he was deadly <laughs> on the fast break. So, 
that was one of the biggest attributes that uh, for Scott Scott stood out to me. And of course, since he was on the inaugural team, you know, he just had to, he just had to be up there, man. I mean, um, and not just that, um, you know, he wasn't a bad free throw shooter. No, he's a, really, he's a good free throw shooter. <laughs> he wasn't a bad three three point shooter either. So. You know, all of that had, had a lot to do with it. I think if Scott Scouts was one of those point guards nowadays, the 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he might have been one of the best point guards ever. <laughs> Yeah, um, he, I mean, he certainly, uh, certainly if he grew up in a different age, he would have been, a, a, I mean, he certainly, like, and I think a guy like Scott Skiles, I think of, of like, Marcus Smart, except except Skiles can actually shoot the ball a little bit little bit more. Um, you know, maybe Smart's a little bit more talented, athletic on, on one end, but, but Skiles was really scrappy, uh, and that's just how yeah. everyone describes him. He averaged, in his five seasons with Orlando, he averaged 7.2 assists per game, uh, Starting in the 91 season, which is when he took over the starting role, uh, Sam Vincent started most of the 1990 season, the inaugural season. Uh, he averaged no fewer than six assists per game. Um, and it was we went 8.4, 7.3, 9.4 in the 93 season with Shaq there, uh, and then 6.1 in 94 uh, as Penny came in. Uh, Skiles was just a, he was just a floor leader. He was a point guard in the purest sense of the word. Um, for that young Magic team, as Shaq was coming in, he kind of kept everyone in line. But it was clear Penny was going to push him out at some point. I think he even knew that. Uh, and uh, Skiles, Skiles, say what you want about him as a coach. He was a really, really fearless player, a really, really good player. Uh, and, and someone that, that you can't tell the story of the Magic, as, as this Magic moment showed. You can't tell the story of the Magic without having Scott Skiles there uh, to as part of the story. Um, and certainly the 30-assist game plays a role in that. But... Uh, he was also just a, a really strong player for a young team trying to figure itself out and, and grow into an eventual championship team, even if he wasn't necessarily part of that championship at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that grit that he brought to the court was one of the things that he was looking for from his team last year. Um, going after January, I think that was one of what he was looking for. You know, guys diving yeah. on the ball. You know, the, the, these are the, the characteristics of Scott Skiles. You know, diving on the ball for loose balls. You know, uh, playing up in someone's jersey as a little guy on the court. I think that's what he was looking for out of his players last year, and um, um, specifically Alfred Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, even if even if he couldn't, you know, run his offensive scheme exactly how he wanted, I think he wanted to see something from him defensively as far as him diving on course. Um, you know, for loose balls and stuff like that, energy, effort um, that I think you know Frank Vogel would be able to trans- transcend to the stage. Yeah, I, I think I think Sky- I think Skiles was looking for someone to to fill his role to to play a little bit like him. Yeah. You know, Skiles. Yeah. The the famous story about Scott Skiles was how he got into a fight with Shaquille O'Neal because Shaq showed up to a practice hungover. Um, that's 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 the kind of thing Skiles wanted from his players, and you know, maybe the modern NBA player isn't wired like that anymore, or maybe, uh, and I think this is certainly the case, the Magic were, so, were desperate for a veteran uh, and desperate for someone to kind of be, that, that had the clout and the ability to grab someone by the, by, the, by the collar and say, stop it, do this, you know, your team is depending on you. And then the Magic never really had that, and, and that's what Scott Skiles did for, for those early Magic teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sp- and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think he didn't want to really you know, overdo it as well, you know, and, you know, really get it to guys because he didn't know how people were going to react to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about a first-year coach, and, and, you know, we're talking about young players as well. And, you know, you know, you don't want to shatter guys' confidence, but at the same time, you don't want to embarrass them, you know, in front of their peers. For sure. 
Um, Spencer, uh, it's been fun talking to you about these five players. Uh, you know, obviously we got the rest of the list coming on. Uh, I, I know you've seen. I, I, I don't know how much of the finalist uh, finalist you you saw, but are you happy with how the list came out? Do you think it's a? Do you think it's a generally a fair result? Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I, I, I generally do. I generally do. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those old guys. I, I did feel like, um, you know, especially the guys from that uh, uh, that final that first final scene. Um, I felt a lot. A lot of those guys were, were placed real high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's just because it's the best team in the history, but um, uh, but a lot, a lot of the uh, placements of some of the players that may have been uh, good, but they weren't on a good basketball team. It, it's it's so it's, you know basketball is one of those things. It's hard to really know who's actually great and who's who's you know better than somebody because it's all about circumstances. It's all about sure. you know, having the right coaching and having the right fans and. Everything has to go right, you know. You know, a lot of people look at Michael Jordan, but a lot of things went right for Michael Jordan. That you know they did. I mean? like, that they did. You know, for him to be able to accomplish that, all that stuff, you know. And he had to, and he had to fight through a lot of difficult players. He had to fight through Larry Bird. He had to right. fight through Isaiah Thomas. I mean, it took him a while to get to the top of the mountain. And uh, certainly, you know, this is this may be something to examine another day. But I don't know if an NBA yeah. team would have that kind of patience. Uh, like they did back then, uh, you know, to, right. to, to wait and to build, or even a player, I don't even know if a player would have that kind of patience to wait and build and wait their turn like that, um, you know, and right. we certainly saw that with how uh, the summer played out with Kevin Durant, that, you know, he felt like it was time to go, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I certainly, I, I agree with you there, um, there's some recency bias for sure, um, the players that were on winning teams uh, get pushed ahead a little bit more than the players that weren't, but uh, that's, I, I agree, that's, that's kind of the nature of how we analyze things, yeah. and that's why I wanted to to yeah. get some different voices on this and, and get get different opinions on on how to evaluate these players and, and where to rank them. Uh, Spence, hey, as, as long as long as we never say that Trent Dilfer was better than Dan Marino, we're good. We're good. I think I think <laughs> I think we're pretty safe there. But you know, Trevor Simeon being the greatest quarterback of all time to win a Super Bowl without taking us to, to start to start an NFL game. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I think we can all agree there. Agree there that that Trevor Simeon is is, is going to deliver a second straight Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos and prove he was the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, Spencer, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Our thanks to Spencer Henderson for jumping on the podcast with us and talking a little bit about his take on our top twenty-five players of all time. Tomorrow we will have David Iwanowski, another Orlando Magic Daily uh, contributing writer contributor. Uh, he's also been on the podcast before, uh, and he also was on the panel that picked it. You can follow Spencer on Twitter at Spencer R. Henders. That's Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-R, Henders, H-E-N-D-E-R-S. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll be providing more magic thoughts as we get closer to the season. Got to get those followers up for Spencer uh, as, as he uh, joins the team here. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Magic. Went a little long with the guests. Uh, expect another kind of long episode tomorrow as well with uh, David Iwanowski on to, again, talk a little bit more about our Top 25 project. We will be in the Top 10 going through numbers 6 through 10 uh, on our list tomorrow and talking a little bit more uh, about Magic history. He wrote a really uh, really uh, quick, good look at the uh, tumultuous 2012 season that's up at orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to give us a 
Feature sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you can get uh, your podcast. We are probably there. Uh, be sure to leave us a, a kind review. Uh, we don't like bad reviews. We like good reviews, so be kind. Give us a good review. And tell your friends to listen to Locked On Magic. We got a month before training camp. We'd love to have as many listeners as we can entering the season. This will be your one-stop shop for all Orlando Magic information, analysis, hot takes, and the like. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. I know I went a little bit long today, uh, so we will see you all tomorrow as we, we reveal the next five in our top 25 Orlando Magic players. Until then, everyone, I'll see you then. You're Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.